it's taken so long to get biometrics on the Mac. Like we don't even have it on desktop maps. And if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have sworn we'd have it by now. And then are they waiting for Face ID? But we haven't seen much movement on that either. It came to the iPad last year. So I wish that they were more aggressive in pushing biometrics into the Mac line. So I'm not going to take it for granted until they ship it. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. And I'm John Rettinger. And we have a special guest as well. Our first special guest was Sarah Dietschy. And we were like, how, how can we meet or beat what Sarah brought to the table? It's true. This week, we're going to try to do that with the one and only Renee Ritchie. On our dream list of guests, Renee was yes. the top. Renee, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, you guys are too kind. I'm honored to be here, man. It's like it's like being on a show with living legends. <laughs> That's yes, especially for for our ages and everything. We're we're up there as it pertains to legend status, at least in our number of birthdays. That so we've had. the listeners obviously can't see this, but we're all on a group FaceTime call. And we can see each other, and it's yes. just it's just white beards, just white white <laughs> white beards everywhere. Um, <laughs> I have that salt and pepper thing going. I actually had this fear maybe like five years ago where I was like, I saw like the first white hair and I was like, my career's done. Like, who's going to want to take tech advice from a dude with a graying beard? I'm, I'm, I'm a relic now. Not Walt Mossberg, that's for sure. Luckily, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Leo Laporte, et cetera. I went so, gray in high school, so I had zero choice in this. In high school? Yeah, I started going you gray just, in high school. You just rocked it, man. <laughs> I, and I don't have that much gray in my hair, but when I grew my beard out, there's a prominent yeah. gray oh. patch. So I, I did the dumb. I'm like, do I, do I color this and pretend I'm something I'm not, or I just embrace it? Uh, <laughs> and like, listen, I'm... You know, I'm going to uh, I'm not going to wear skinny jeans and uh, make myself seem younger than I am. So I'm leaning in to my my crustiness and uh, I'm embracing the gray. Do it. Lean in. I like that. I like that, John. Why not? So, all right, Renee, let people know who you are, where they can find you and all that. What's your background? So I, I used to be a, a web and graphic designer and then I did product marketing and then I sort of jumped the fence and got into media after watching people like you guys make it look like way better job than anything that I'd ever had before. Um, and these days, I, I write the Vector column on iMore and do the Vector YouTube channel. Just try to, you know, you guys keep raising your game, so there's no way I'm ever going to catch up. I just try to do the best I can. But hey, listen, if you haven't watched Renee Ritchie on YouTube, you need to. That's a, that is an instant subscribe. I actually mentioned this in a meeting I had recently. I told the people I was talking to, if there's one person, if I had to, if I had to recommend one person to the average person to learn from and not get spin and not get clickbait, et cetera, go to Renee Ritchie's channel. Oh, that is, a, that is a quote. So that is my recommendation yeah. and stamp of approval and for Renee. For me, there are three YouTube channels that I have notifications turned on for. And Renee's is one of them. I try to never miss a video because I generally learn something new every time. And I can use that something new in another video that, that I'm making. Um, oh, so if, if you want to get into YouTube, you want to understand technology better then watch Renee. He's not out there just doing a standard review, talking about battery mm -hmm. life, yet, but understanding how a technology that we use works. And he does a better job than anybody else in the oh, Thank you so much. Yes. I'm going to cry. So Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets and, and obviously this week and grayness. Yes, at least for this week. So this week we're going to be talking about a few things. We have uh, the new AirPods Pro, which just launched this morning. We have a new Samsung foldable phone concept. So not the Galaxy Fold, but something something newer. But we're going to start the show 
by talking about the rumored, heavily rumored 16 inch MacBook Pro that many people expected to be announced this week. And here we are on Wednesday morning. It's past 10 o'clock, which 10 o'clock is typically the time that we'd see something drop and still not here. Renee on Twitter earlier today said he doesn't even expect it to come this month, sending everyone into a frenzy. So, Renee, yes, let's talk about this for a moment. People have been expecting Apple to release a new MacBook Pro before the end of the year. Yes. With a with a keyboard that is greatly improved from what we've had over the past four to five years. And it's not here yet. What is going on? I think, you know, sincerely, I think they have air power syndrome where they are not absolutely mm. not going to announce any product that is not ready. Like the, the MacBook is sort of an exception because that's ephemeral. Like that's for pros. That is no yes. like Christmas holiday season. That is just people will show up with studio money whenever that thing is ready sure. to come out. But with things like the AirPods, like why weren't they in the September event? You know, I, I think Apple's just a little bit gun shy of not being able to ship things in a timely manner. Original AirPods, HomePod, AirPods, just they've had too much of those. So I think they're okay now with doing like, AirPods are ready. We'll get a bunch of New York locals to come over and take a look at mm-hmm. them. And then, you know, the MacBook Pro will be ready. My guess is, I said that in on Twitter semi-facetiously because nobody could believe that Apple was just doing AirPods yesterday. It was like, oh, they have the tags and it's secret and the, and, right. and the MacBook is secret. It's all going to come out. It's like, watch, it's going to be five days of Apple treats or something. And it just, it doesn't feel like that because they have a lot on their plate and they have a small team and they're doing the TV plus launch, you know, start yes. is, is in a couple of days. So it just didn't make any sense to me that they would try to cram that in on Halloween, you know, and have reviewers show up in Halloween costumes to pick up their kit. <laughs> so it, I mean, it feels like a week to do a treat though. It feels like a mid November ish thing to me. Cause I think you get, I think you can't wait. Like you have us Thanksgiving at an, like in an yes. odd time and then you have the That's holidays. True. So I think like mid November is my, my safety window for this. So the rumors for this thing are all over the board. Rumors of a 14, a 16, face ID, slim bezels, and improved keyboard. Out of the swath of rumors, what do you expect to actually make it into production? Uh, so I, what I expect is I'm not going to get my hopes up because I have like those face ID dreams too. I think it makes so yeah. much sense on a Mac. And I'd be willing to take like a, a camera bump, unashamed, unabashed camera bump to get it. <laughs> but what I'm, I'm just looking for is that 16-inch screen and the 15-inch chassis. So basically like what they did with the iPad. The 11-inch iPad, they got a bigger screen in the same size body and then a reversion to scissor or maybe not reversion, but a new generation of scissor switch keys that'll get rid of the problems that these butterfly keys have been plagued with. And hopefully that, you know, that reverse T arrow key thing. So I can actually feel where those arrow keys are again, like in the great old days of old. So do you think the keyboard's going to physically look the same? I hope. So my biggest hope is I go back, I have an older MacBook Pro. Whenever I go back to it now, it feels kind of loosey-goosey. You know, it it was fine at the time, but now I've gotten used to the bigger keys and the stability. I just wish they didn't fail. But some people hate them, like hate them with a passion. And nobody hated the old keyboard. And you can't just have like one manufacturer. If you have like HP and Asus and a bunch of laptop makers, all doing different keyboards is fine. But if you're the only one making it, you can't have half your customers just seethingly hate your keyboard. So my hope is they go back to scissor switches, but they get some of the stability and the size of these keys retained in that design. So earlier today, which is Wednesday, I think nine to five reported, they saw images of the new MacBook Pro, at least with the touch bar and touch ID. So you think there's not going to be redundancy with face ID built into it's just going to straight be touch ID and that's going to be it? I like face ID better. You know, it's just like it feels natural opening up the lid and just having the camera see you and unlock 
I don't know if I'm getting biometrically lazy in my old age where I don't want to even have to reach over. And like, I want the computer to do the work at this point. It's the one that should reach. But it's just, it's taken so long to get biometrics on the Mac. Like, we don't even have it on desktop maps. And if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have sworn we'd have it by now. And then are they waiting for Face ID? But we haven't seen much movement on that either. It came to the iPad last year. So I wish that they were more aggressive in pushing biometrics into the Mac line. So I'm not going to take it for granted until they ship it. It's interesting that it's, you know, like you said, it's taken a while to get to a, a new a new design for the MacBook Pro. And this isn't necessarily a new design. It, it leaves a lot of people wondering, with all the time you've had, is this it? Like if the refresh is just, we have a larger display and maybe a little bit of a bigger body, so maybe maybe better battery life and a new keyboard. But if that's it, if it's we're taking the the butterfly keys back, we're, we're admitting that we're just going to wash our hands of that and we have a bigger display for you. Is that enough for a new MacBook Pro this year after all this time? Should there be more? Should there be something more? If it's the same four Thunderbolt three ports, the same you know keyboard travel, the same design. Is that enough at this point or certainly wouldn't be worth its own event if that's all it was? I don't think they'd get. So my thing with the event is I could never imagine a universe where Apple got up on stage and talked about a new keyboard. Like, it just feels like that right. is a landmine because like even the people in the audience, you see Joanna Stern get up and start like slamming her laptop on the ground <laughs> in the middle of the event. Like, I, I don't know how even like Phil Schiller today, we reinvent the scissor switch a lot. Like it just, it right. doesn't sell for me. <laughs> So they've had the same basic design since the Titanium MacBook, which is a real, real long time. Like they've tweaked it. They've made it unibody. They've gotten rid of a lot of the, yeah. the, the, the furniture that used to be all over it. But it's the same design. I don't think they'll change that till they come up with something better. So this, I think they'll make it slimmer, sleeker. They can play with the lines, the angles, the curves. But I think it's still, this is just the best form factor they've come up with for a laptop. And I don't expect they'll do anything weird like inverting the keyboard or putting a camera in the key. Like, I, I don't think they play those sorts of things because they don't make 800 laptops a year like some companies do. And then they can experiment sure. with like 90% of them. I think they're going to stay with what they think works best. So I got, I got a question. So we put up a video yesterday and it was kind of an honest conversation about why I use Mac. We're talking about the new MacBook Pros mm-hmm. and sort of why I, I'm more OS agnostic when it comes to my desktop OSs and, and less when it comes to mobile but I gave a few reasons why I choose to use Mac and why it makes things easier for me. So for you guys, Renee, I'm pretty safe to assume that you're probably on a Mac right now. But what are the yep. reasons that you choose to go the Mac route instead of, you know, one of the plethoras Windows 10, like the Surface laptop that has, you know, the biometric redundancy there that has Windows Hello and sort of has some of the stuff that Apple is, is still missing? Yeah, so I was... I've gone back and forth. I had Apples when I was a kid and then I was on PCs for a while. I was on Amigas for a while and went back to Mac. Then I went, I was hardcore PC for many, many years. Like I think a lot of us, we go through that era where we just want to build our own stuff and configure our own stuff and I want it the way we want it. And then I, I was working in enterprise in design and we got like new top of the line Dells every year with Dell on-site service, you know, and it was great. I got a new laptop, but we had to make use of Dell service a lot. Like they had to come out. We made money <laughs> off that deal and like yeah. the plastic would crack and, and then eventually Eventually, I got I got sent the latest Dell computer and it came with Vista and Vista did not include drivers for the display on the laptop. Like I opened it up and it said no driver display found. And I just like and I was complaining and the IT guy said, I'm sick and tired of you complaining. We're just going to get you a Mac. Like you don't do anything that needs a PC. All these programs work on the Mac. You know, back then is when they started doing boot camp. And they're like, we're just going to get you a Mac. So you shut up. 
And I'm like, okay. So I got the 17 inch MacBook Pro and I hadn't used Macs in a while. And I really right. liked it and I could do everything. And it was so solid. It was a battleship, but that it was so solid. Was it was it lasted like seven years. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it paid for itself. And it, I had some initial, like I hadn't used Mac since the classic OS. I hadn't used OS 10 much. So it took me a while to learn, but then it was like, I didn't have to deal with half the crap I was used to dealing with. Like I used to go into the registry. I used to have to do all these driver stuff. And I realized I'd gotten, again, too lazy to want to maintain my own computer. And this was just much easier to use. So, and I have like this basic theory for like phones and for computers where in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing. So you tend to gravitate towards Apple because it just kind of works. And then you get frustrated by the limitations and you go to like Android or Windows because you can make and have exactly what you want. But at a certain point, you're spending so much time making it what you want, like you end up working for it and not for you. So then you start investigating going back to like Apple or something mm -hmm. because it most of, it's like 90% fine and, you don't have, and it won't let you change other stuff anyway. So you can just get on with doing your work. And I'm in that stage of my customer life cycle. Fair. It's a good answer. So they got you that 17 inch MacBook yeah. Pro and basically launched your career with that one move. Just take this and shut up about Windows. And now because of that one step, here we are. And I was all in on Microsoft. I had Windows. I had an Xbox. I had like I had a Jornada, like an HP Jornada at first. And then I had the Trio, the, the Windows Mobile Trios, the Trio Pro. You know, I watched John's videos. I went to Trios. I got all those things. I love that. And then the iPhone event happened and I was getting a Mac around the same time. And I'm like, I don't believe that interface is real. I have never seen that yeah. on a mobile device before. And I got an iPhone. I'm like, hey, this is real slick. And, you know, I kept going from there. Interesting. I use Macs. I've been using Macs since roughly, let me see, when did I start my company? 2004 is when I started uh, my blog. And I started on Windows. And I was one of those guys that would like, not make fun, but like playfully make fun of Mac users. Because at the time, it was, it was before OS 10, it was like Windows was full color. And the Mac was like, every Mac I saw was like black and white interface. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? This looks terrible. Why are you using this? And then 2004, I believe we, they opened an Apple store in Seattle and I just, I just went, let me just see with it. I, I love tech. You know, if there was the time where like when a new Best Buy opened, it was like, I was excited to go. Yeah. New Best Buy. This is crazy. So I went to the Apple store and it was running OS 10 and I minimized a window cause I wanted to get it out of the way. And it did the thing where it like genies down into the dock. And I was like, wait a minute, what was that? Like I've never seen a, a windows interface do something so whimsical before like what what is this yeah and i just started playing with it more and more and i was like this is this feels like fun it doesn't feel when i'm on my windows computer it feels like i'm doing work and this feels like i'm just i'm just having fun this is this is different this is new so i bought a mac mini that was my first mac the first mac mini that they announced and um you know fast forward to the iphone and fast forward you know throughout time it just felt like renee said and i liken this to uh to things like reminder apps too like you start with a basic one and you're like, I need something more powerful. Then you go to OmniFocus yes. and you spend 45 minutes a day just rearranging things and not doing any work. You're just working on your list and you go yeah. you're like, you know what? Apple reminders is great. Let me go back to that. It just works for me. So, you know, there's that, the ease of use, the fun, the whimsicalness, but also quite honestly, the ecosystem. And a lot of people, when they hear ecosystem, I feel like they think it's a negative thing. Yeah. Like, oh, they got you. They locked you in. No. no. The fact that I can do something on any device that I have and have that work without me having to hit a save button or icon, just type something or save something or do something and have it appear on any other device that I own 
to me, that is amazing. And that gives me peace of mind. And I don't have to worry about anything. It's just there. And it's perfect. It works with my smartphone. It works with my tablet. And finally, Final Cut Pro. I'm yeah. not using anything but Final Cut for my videos. I have no desire to use anything else. It's fast. It's quick. I know it. And obviously, it only works on a Mac. Fair. I mean, for, John, what about you? I mean, so what for me, you? Apple launched my career getting that that old Santa Rosa MacBook Pro was the first video that I made. And sort of like Renee, I was strictly PC. I had a 15 inch HP laptop that just died, just suddenly stopped working. And so that's I figured I'm going to make videos. I'll teach people how to use this new computer that I don't know how to use. And I decided to go to Mac if I wanted to make videos. It was for the iLife suite at the time, you know, being able to have mm -hmm. iMovie. I, I didn't have the time or the talent to learn, you know, what was Final Cut back then. But iMovie was idiot easy. And I was definitely in the idiot category. And I was able <laughs> from having no experience to make a video, put a soundtrack, put titles on and hit upload. And that alone got me started on Mac. And then as things went, you know, there are pluses and minuses, but I stick with Mac for the ecosystem, for things like continuity. I had to run payroll yesterday and I had, I forgot what my login password was for ADP. So I pulled it up on one password on my phone, hit copy and pasted it on my iPad. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's little things like that, that add up to a whole for a better experience. My grandparents are 89 and 90 years old and they're using an iPhone SE and I can share pictures to a shared gallery and they see it on their phone. Granted, they think I'm sending it just to them, but they can see these, <laughs> but, but they can see these pictures of my kids. They can see them growing up. I'm not going to try to teach them how to use Google photos, but that wouldn't, I mean, that just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that, that sort of add to the wonder. I can FaceTime them. My kids can see them. It's the little chunks that add up to the whole. Now, if Windows had a comparable experience, that's switching a heartbeat. I don't have an allegiance. I just want to use what's best for me at the time. And then taking the whole Final Cut thing out, which we use to edit all of our videos, Apple is just the easiest way to go. And I haven't talked about things like AirDrop, sort of the other things that are inside right. the Apple ecosystem, but it's just straight up easier if you're willing to live within, you know, those selective confines. Can I ask you a question, though? Yeah, I think I saw on Twitter. Was it you who who talked about how easy it is to move because you're you're locked into like Google it was software? Me. Yes. So so tell me about that. Like, why do you choose that over, let's say, like for me, I, I try to use Google as little as possible. Google's my search engine. OK, but that's pretty much it as it pertains to Google. And it, like I'll back up my uh, my review devices if I'm reviewing Android stuff. Sure. But I don't put anything um too mission critical or personal on my Android devices. Why do you choose to use Google services? So the tweet in question, I was reviewing the Surface Laptop 3, which is why I brought it up in my reference to Renee because it's fresh in my head. And signing into it, I realized when I signed into Chrome, I pretty much had most of the stuff that I use on computers. You know, that's on ecosystem locked. Maybe it's a naive naivete that I have. And I know it, it, it's a double edged and a bit hypocritical, but I don't mind I don't have anything to hide. If it makes a better experience mm -hmm. for me, like I don't mind Google listening to my conversations, asking what the weather is for my assistant. Like okay. I just, I personally just don't care that much. Uh, I think people are so paranoid about cameras. Everybody forgets about the microphones that all these devices. Yeah. It's a reality of our life. And I think you can run from it and be selective about how you use it. But unless you're going to build a cabin in the woods, at some point you have to just accept that that's the reality that we live in that we live in now. It used to be back in the 80s. If you went to Russia, you'd expect your room to be bugged. Now we have all of, we buy the bugs. <laughs> now we buy the bugs and we put, the, put them in our house. 
Fair enough. And we act surprised <laughs> when we hear Apple is listening to our Siri conversations and Google and Amazon are listening. Like, of course they're listening. I mean, if, if I mention a Dodge Ram, I'm going to see a Dodge Ram ad on Facebook in 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> of, co- like of course they're listening. I know that was a long-winded answer, but the moral is it makes my life easier. I'm lazy to the core. I'm just going to roll with it. But that that kind of goes back to what we were saying. Like we use these Apple products, you know, everything that we said about the ecosystem, all that ultimately comes back to it's just easy. Yeah, it's easy. It makes our lives easier. Right. Renee, what about you? Are you do you use Google services at all or do you stay away from them? No, my work has a Google account, so I have to use them like Google Calendar and Google Google apps never gets like the first class treatment the way Gmail does. Google loves their Gmail way more than they love their Google apps. So I never get all the services, but we have to use them. But like it always strikes me like like you can get like Neele mad over Apple lock in, but the horizontal lock in is just as bad. Like the Amazon Mm. and Google will get in a fight and suddenly you can't have YouTube on your Amazon devices and you didn't do anything (laughs) like you don't deserve that. And then Suddenly, like your Kindle books don't, or or like YouTube won't give 4K video to the Apple TV, and they're your customer. You just want your, you don't care about their codec wars. You just want your stuff. So it's like you can't avoid the lock in either. I, I do try to balance with Google. Like I have a variety of different accounts because I don't want to put every like you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who they're going to buy. But I use a ton of Google services, and I actually think that Google is one of the most important companies, maybe the most important company, because they literally want to make the Star Trek machine, like the machine we see in all the sci-fi movies. They want to build that. So I think like Apple makes shiny, shiny toys, and I love them for that. But like the the future of humanity is in large part going to be settled based on what technology Google and companies like them propagate. So I'm like eight times harder on Google than I am on almost any other company because I want that computer, but I do not want it to try to kill me. So it's like this very <laughs> delicate balance that I think all of us have to like set. No, you can't use my selfies to teach drones. You know, I'm happy if you scan oh. them to make better recognition from my friends and family, but you are not allowed to use it for drones. And I'm happy you give me free services, but if you want to use it for other stuff, I feel like you should pay me. You know, so I, yes. I think that we have to keep pushing on them to make sure that our relationship is mutually beneficial. That's a fair point. So you brought up something interesting, and I, I kind of want to ask both you guys. So free services, right? Gmail, free services, mm-hmm. YouTube, essentially a free service. With utilizing free services, should the end user have an expectation of complete privacy? I mean, should should that come along with this? I mean, there's a reason. I don't think so. There's a reason smart TV is a 70 inch 4K TV with the webcam and microphones is is $400. Like there's a reason that that (laughs) exists. (laughs) Should people expect complete privacy if they're not willing to pay for? And should privacy be something that you have to pay for? In this day and age. I feel like so the answer is no, you should not expect privacy. And the reason that's the answer is because you don't have it. So you shouldn't expect it because it's not the reality. Should it be the case that you should be able to just go to the store, buy something or sign up for a service and just use it as promised without your data being mined and controlled and parsed? Yes, but that's not the reality. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people until maybe like this year or or mid last year, a lot of people didn't even think about the privacy issue. They just thought their data was private. And so so we started seeing all these leaks and the Facebook stuff. You can't expect privacy in this day and age. And I think it's okay to pay for privacy. My problem is it's hard for me to trust that if a company allows me to pay, let's say a company allows me to pay to not have ads and for my data to remain private, it would be hard for me to trust that they, they would not take my data. I feel like they're just going to do it. 
even if you pay, the, you know, Facebook has so many times said how, you know, they're not going to track you in this or that way. And then later it comes out that they did and they, their response is, oh, that was a, a programming bug and we're going to we're going to release a patch. But in the meantime, we've collected all this data that we said we weren't going to collect anyway. So I don't know what the answer is. It seems like every major company, even Apple, has had some sort of privacy issue come up. And I don't know, is it just like what John said a minute ago? You just have to expect it. It's, it's just how it is this day. It's your your data is going to be taken. So this is going to be nuanced to the point where maybe I can't even explain it. But I think there's a difference <laughs> between privacy and dignity. Like, I think you can't have an expectation of privacy, but you should always have the expectation of dignity. And that just means how they treat you and how they treat your data. And the honesty, like in my perfect world, Google and Facebook wouldn't play these sort of privacy gaslighting games at all. Like where Facebook, like we're talking about encryption, but we're going to call it privacy because we don't think you know the difference. Mm. And Google's like, we're talking about data retention, but we're going to call it privacy because that's a trendy word like AI was two years ago. They would just say, look, we understand you want privacy, but if you're willing to trust us with some of your data, we'll protect it in the following ways, and we'll give you all of this benefit for it. And then it feels like like a fair deal. Like I'm giving you this, you're giving me that. But otherwise, it feels like you're buying me a lobster dinner and then just staring at me afterwards really, really hard. <laughs> and that that starts to feel awkward. So I never want like the indignity of feeling like I'm a data slave or feeling like I, I can't afford something, so I have to pay with data because that doesn't feel fair either. But just give me a straight up deal. If I want your service and I'm willing to give you data, we'll all be like cool with it. I just don't like sort of the the games that go on behind the scenes. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, let me bring before we take our first break, let me bring it the conversation back around to the 16 inch MacBook Pro. One final question for both of you guys. Do we expect this to slot in and replace the 15 inch MacBook Pro in both availability and price? Or are we expecting this to come in as an addition, almost like the iMac Pro to the MacBook Pro? Oh, God, if they call it the MacBook Pro Pro or the iMacBook Pro, <laughs> both of no. I think it's going to go in on top at first just because it'll be more expensive and they're going to want people who don't want to pay that much to still have an option. And then over time, mm-hmm. they'll phase in the new design to replace the old one. Renee, do you expect that? Maybe you answered this earlier, but do you expect a 14 inch as well? I think at some point, I think they're going to they're going to test the waters with the 16 inch, but I think the whole product line is going to move to that design. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I wish they would do both at once like they did with the iPad Pros, iPads mm-hmm. Pro, iPad Pro devices. <laughs> I can't keep up with all these S's on all these different products, but it seems like their Mac team is never as full. Like they don't have the pipeline for Macs that they have for other stuff because the business is smaller. And I always liken it to like, you have two kids, you love them both, but one is graduated, is married and is in college, you know, like has a job, is taken care of. The other one is Taylor Swift. And you're like, so many bad things could happen. <laughs> we got to put so much attention on this. And that's like the iPhone. Like they, no matter, everyone wants to work on the iPhone. Like they need so many people to work on the iPhone. So it feels like their ability to push out Mac products is just, smaller. And I don't know if they can get both out at once. I'll set off them doing a really good, just mail the landing on this one and then roll it out to the 14 inch next. All right. That was our talk on the 16 inch upcoming MacBook Pro, the rumored 16 inch MacBook Pro. Up next, we are talking about the new AirPods Pro coming up on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called 
technically speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel. Whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Once again, big thank you to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right, guys, next topic of conversation. Brand new today on the market is the new AirPods Pro. AirPods Pro, AirPod Pros, Renee, AirPods Pros, whatever we call these things, they're here, they're new, they were rumored for a while, and um, I just got mine this morning. I actually haven't even uh, opened them up and paired them to my phone, but Renee, you've had them for a day or two, right? Yes. How are they? They're good. I mean, so they bring a couple things to the table that a lot of us have complained about with AirPods for a while. And that is, you know, they didn't fit, they fit most ears, but not all ears. And my ears mm-hmm. have been mashed up for years. So they've, I've always had like the left one fitting way better than the right. They add water resistance. So you can't shower or swim in them, but you can take them out and for a run in the rain or a workout mm-hmm. where you're sweaty. That's fine. And they add active noise cancellation, which people have been wanting for a long time too. They don't change the color factor. You can still only get them in, in white. So that's one thing they haven't addressed. But everything else, I feel like they checked off a lot of boxes. And just for the nerdy folks, Apple's built like this huge lab next to Apple Park where they do all the audio stuff ever since HomePod. And they do fascinating things. Like they try to make it so your iPhone detects where your ear is and then beams the audio into the right position for your ear. And it's all computational audio, the same thing they've been doing with photography. And that really showed off with HomePod. And now they're doing that with the smaller one. And like it's like doing all these things to measure the echo of the sound in your ear and compare that with the original source of the audio in the AirPods and then updating it 200 times a second to make it custom for your individual ear. And that, that stuff just is endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah. So I'm glad that Apple can afford, because it's expensive stuff. And if you do profit and loss based on your chipsets, you'll never make these products. Like Qualcomm will only start making chips for this if they're guaranteed their partners are going to make 200 million of them. But Apple can do right. profit and loss on a device. So they, they keep pushing this stuff forward. And it's just, I love that I now have a system and package in my ear with 10 audio cores. The geek in me is endlessly delighted by that. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, not even almost. It's we at this point when you're wearing a pair of AirPods, especially AirPods Pro, you're wearing small computers. You're not wearing earbuds in the general sense of a piece of uh, plastic that has a little speaker in it that connects to an analog wire. This is a this is a for all intents and purposes. Apple is building tiny computers that are wearable in your ear. Yes. So, Renee, you said something interesting, and I think. Every tech product, whether success or failure, leaves a legacy behind. And for some, the HomePod is not what they expected it to be. Yeah. But it sounds like what you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, without the HomePod, you don't get something more mainstream like the AirPods Pro. Is that, is that a true statement, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, they geared up a lot of that stuff to build the HomePod because that was a very easy product to see. Like, we want a home speaker that doesn't suck. It has to be one speaker. How do we solve for this? Oh, we can do a lot of this computationally, the same way they're doing it with photography. There's a limit to the size of the camera. How can we go beyond it? There's a limit to the number and size of the speakers. How can we go beyond it? And it's usually easier to make big before you make small because making anything small takes a lot of effort. And then, but the lessons they learned from that, I think they were really good in sort of cramming that down into what you called it, the uh, Andrew called it the computers for your ears and the more that the apple watch becomes like the iphone i wonder if the airpods will become more like an apple watch 
where you have so much functionality in your wrist, this just gives you a little extra stuff that you can wear in your head. So with the AirPods Pro, I'm most excited about the noise canceling. AirPods for me are almost useless on like an airplane, for example. How good would you say is the active noise canceling? It's really good. So it's not quite the same as the big. So I don't like, I don't like the big earphones. I use them for audio work, but I don't like to travel with them because they're just really big Mm -hmm. for me. And I I end up looking like I'm a caricature because my head is oddly shaped. So they stick up and around and you know, people laugh at me when I walk around with them. Uh, So (laughs) I like the ear pods and it's really, really good for something of this size. Like it's good in general. I wore them on a plane yesterday and I put them on and I couldn't hear much of the engine at all. Like it was incredibly muffled. I could still hear the overhead when they made announcements, but I couldn't hear the steward talking to me. I had to put them in transparency mode. And then it sounds like sort of enhanced where you can hear a little bit different than real life, a little bit like digitized. So I think it's really good. I don't know if it's Sony or Bose quality yet. I'm going to have to do like the thing where awkward thing where you put one on, take one off to find out for sure. But they blew my expectations away for something this small. What about the actual sound quality? So obviously, I think the main feature that they've been touting is the active noise cancellation. But I don't recall Apple ever with the original AirPods or even EarPods for for that much focusing on or making a point to talk about like how sonically superior listening to music will be when using them. It's always been more of a here's our convenient new product that plays music and it just just plays music. And now with AirPods Pro, they're talking about, you know, better sound fidelity and everything. Have you noticed anything like that? Yeah. So I think you're right. I think with AirPods and people kept saying, well, they don't, you know, they don't sound good enough for this price. And that was never the point. The The price was because of the convenience. They had all these sensors yeah. and chips inside them and you were paying for that. You know, it's just the sound was okay, and it, but you could pair them real easy and stick them in your ears. And with this, they're trying to make the sound quality better. And what they basically do is use all that lab stuff to make it audio perfect, which is sort of like just acoustically, you know, they tested through all these things. They let the scientists be really happy is what I'm trying to say. And then they give it to the artists and they tune it because it turns out humans don't like absolute science. You know, absolute science sounds kind of cold and sterile to us. So great. It, it, it's perfect for minus two decibels, but you know, that's not a human thing. So they let them go in and tune it, which means they're opinionated. They're not like beats opinionated. So it's not, you know, they don't uh, supply that over bass that you might get, but they're way better than AirPods. I'm not a big audio person. I don't distinguish sounds. Like I had a really hard time learning Cantonese. I could barely tell the tones apart. So I'm not great with that kind of stuff. I'll have to wait to hear what you guys say about them. But they do sound way better than AirPods ever did. And that's, I guess, that's the main point right there is you kind of hit the nail on the head. Not only are you getting active noise cancellation and transparency mode and adaptive EQ and all this, at the end of the day, you're getting a better headphone for your additional $50 or whatever it is when compared to the standard AirPods with the charging case. And Apple will say like they have a high excursion this and a new drive. I I, I hear the words. I I don't know what they mean yet. (laughs) The words make them sound way better, but I'm waiting to find out if they actually sound way better. John, you're still wearing your uh, your old school AirPods, your AirPods uh, amateurs you're right giving, there. I see those. You're giving it away, man, on the video chat. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, mine are scheduled to be delivered any moment. So I can't comment on audio fidelity. But I do know, like Renee, I don't like traveling with sort of big noise-canceling headphones, mostly yeah. because they're just big in a bag. And for a day trip, a trip to San Francisco or sure. somewhere, it takes up a ton of room. So I was actually getting ready to go buy the Sonys to sort of try that when you know apple announced the airpods pro so i'm excited to give it a shot as a, a general consumer to try it i'm not an audio guy either i want it to sound decent and i want the noise canceling to not be able to hear the engine noise that's it yeah. that's my threshold for success from airpods pro and i want to not lose them also 
Safe to assume, though, that both of you, like me, since AirPods were announced or released, rather, it's been my go to headphone. Despite all the other pairs of headphones that I have, whether it's review units or stuff that I bought myself, newer Beats, etc., I carry a pair of Beats Studio Pro with the W, what's the W1 or W2? I forget. But I carry a pair in my bag and I have used them. I travel all the time. I carry a pair in my bag. I've used them two times in the past year. I just realized that twice in the past year because my AirPods are just so much more convenient. They're the most convenient, like convenient seems to trump all Yeah. Uh, when it comes to this. Do you guys find the same thing? Are you guys all in on AirPods and have been since the release? For me, yeah. Like I put them in and never looked back and I had a ton of I used to use the Bose in-ears, but their battery gave out real quick and they became regular headphones with a giant dongle on the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I had tried everything. I tried Shures. I tried all these things. But it sounded ludicrous when Apple said there's a big difference with no wire and the wire was always pulling on you and it sort of mm-hmm. tied you to the device. And I, I never thought that was real. And then I put in AirPods and it just, I felt like, you know, got no strings to hold me down, got no strings on me. And it just felt liberating. I could get up in the middle of a podcast I'm not doing that now for people who are wondering, you can get up in the middle of podcast and walk and (laughs) refill your beverage and come right back down and not miss a beat. And just that kind of freedom was great. So I put one in. I usually wear one at a time, especially because I listen mostly to podcasts and audiobooks, and you literally get twice the battery life if you use one at a time. So I almost always use one at a time and I've never looked back. Yeah, I'm, I'm much the same way. So the only exception is when I go to the gym. Okay. They tend to fall out of my ear if I'm running. I'm not like the sweatiest dude in the world, but... Sort of the lack of an official IP rating, maybe nervous or expensive. I don't want to replace them and then be embarrassed to be like, I sweat too much. Um, I broke my AirPods. So <laughs> I, I was using for a while. Actually, I still use when I go to the gym, the Power Beats Pro, yeah. which are great for that. The case is ginormous and, and certainly not possible exactly. by any stretch of the imagination. But those have been great for a little bit of noise canceling since they're sort of physically in your ear. So I think the new AirPods Pro are a perfect compromise. You get that same sort of silicon seal in the ear for passive noise canceling. And then you throw an active on top of that, the water resistance and the smaller case. And it seems like a perfect compromise. I think what's interesting with Apple and Renee, if you may disagree, is Apple's ability and willingness to cannibalize themselves is a a fascinating business case study. I know Steve Jobs has some, some quotes on it. I can't think of any other company that would do what Apple does and release essentially three products that are very similar, you know, slightly different form factors, but do essentially the same thing. And like, I pick one, like we'll cannibalize ourselves because our our grasp on the market is, is so large. It's, it's fascinating. Apple's business model It's to me. That's always been the biggest difference. And the key to their success is they never mistook their product for their business. Like they were never the iPod company. The minute the iPhone came along, they're like, someone's going to do this to us. We should do this to ourselves. And then if the iPad cannibalizes the Mac and then the Mac starts cannibalizing the iPad, the iPad starts count. That's fine. As long as we're doing it and not them. And you look at Microsoft under Balmer, where they were so afraid of hurting windows in office that they wouldn't do anything that put it in jeopardy. And they let other people come and make products that serve the same need. You were never a Windows company. You were a platform company. And, you know, Satya Nadella knows that. He's doing really great now. And I think exactly what you said, John, they are ruthless when it comes. They don't always succeed, but they are ruthless when it comes to trying to bury their own kids. It's amazing. I think that's why you see Apple innovate faster. It's like, they're like let's do it. And your, your Balmer example, I think, was, is dead on. And then if you go back and, and learn the history of sort of where the uh, Google suite of like word processing came from, you know, sheets and that kind of stuff and how Microsoft was supposed to be involved in things like that and, and chose not to. 
is interesting. I think that's another way that Apple, at least from a business standpoint, is very unique and hasn't changed, you know, since the the jobs cook transition. It's also interesting, like the whole Apple customer, like there's the average consumer, which obviously is their main customer with the iPhone being the most successful smartphone each year in sales, individual phone. You can't achieve that without being the company that the average consumer likes. But there's also the the other Apple customer who they just want whatever's new. So there's a customer that keeps their phone for three years and there's a customer that says, whatever's new, I need it. Yeah, I have AirPods. I just bought AirPods two, you know, six months ago. There's a new AirPods again. I'm getting that. And it seems like if they put something out, there is certainly a section of their customer base that's just going to buy it, you know, day one. And there's like this, we've seen it already. It's slipping. Yeah. There's like this savagery inside the company too. And there's that famous Phil Schiller line, uh, slide where he has the Apple watch all the way up to the iMac. And he's like, it's the job of Apple watch to get so good. It makes people not want the iPhone as much. And the job of the iPhone to get so good makes them not want the iPad so much. And the job of the iPad to get so good, it makes them not want the Mac so much. But then the Mac has to get so much better. It pushes back down on the iPad. Mm. And they, you see this, like even with like the $329 iPad now has a pencil yeah. and a keyboard and they're like you ipad pro people better get your act together because we're coming yeah. for you and it's just like what are you okay fine we're gonna get rid of we're gonna kill those bezels like what okay wait <laughs> it's just it's a wonderful dynamic inside the company where it's not like they're not angry at each other the way like like office used to fight with windows and to the detriment of everybody they're like yeah. legitimately we want you to invent cool stuff because we're gonna steal it and they're like oh yeah then we're gonna invent more new stuff so i have a question for names Andrew, don't kill me for a topic change here, but it's a cool opportunity to talk to Renee, who's a student of, of te- sure. technology and a student of Apple that has the benefit of, of sort of seeing things change through the years. Random question, but what's your favorite Apple keynote moment? Uh, you, I mean, it's gonna be the, I'm, I'm kind of I'm putting you on the spot. No, it's it's the cliche. It's that are you getting it yet? You know, there's not there's not three products. Mm-hmm. It's all one product. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Steve Jobs was a master of the keynote, and that was his that was like the, him at the top of his game. And you could tell like he was so ready. Like, apparently right before that keynote, he got everybody together and said, remember this moment because it's the last moment before the iPhone, which sounds corny, but it just shows how excited he was for that moment to reveal that product. And I think it really showed when he when he was setting that up and taking his time and being like slow about it. And then he just, we're calling it iPhone. By the way, your video on the history, like the unauthorized history of that first iPhone was so fast. That's one of the few videos I've actually watched several times. Oh, thank you. Sort of go back and see, and that golden path that had to be followed to get that to work was amazing. Oh, that was yeah. fantastic. You know, when during that moment, that keynote, it's interesting because I was at I was sitting at CES editing videos, and everybody at CES, all the journalists, they leave whatever they're doing. They, they all congregate right into this into this one room. We're all watching this keynote, and I went from like happiness to feeling super dejected because he hadn't shown us the iPhone yet. So when he said the three products, I was like, oh, my God, we're getting all three of these things that I've been waiting on. And then he says, it's not three products, it's one. And I'm like, no, I need, I need a widescreen iPod, though. Why would you not? <laughs> you know, so immediately I was like, oh, this sucks. And then, you know, he goes on to show what the iPhone ended up being and then went back to jubilation. And there was, it was that, a very big roller coaster moment for there me. There was that great moment where I forget which one, one of the MacBreak weekly hosts just stood up and threw his trio on the floor and stomped on it. And then Job says it's coming in June. And he's like, what? I thought it was coming now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because back then when they would do announcements, 
they would say, you know, here's the new thing. And by the way, it's shipping today. Yeah. Like they would they would do this. There was a period where they, I think they released like three or four iPod upgrades over the course of a year. Just every few months, there was another new iPod. And every time it'll be it'll either be available today or be available tomorrow. It was amazing. We don't really see that that often anymore, although the AirPods, they, yeah. those came pretty quick. That was yeah. weird because that was even like they're available. OK, now we'll tell you about them. It's like, wait, what? Right. John, what about you? You answer your own question. Now I'm uh, curious. So. Remember when the Macs got an accelerometer? Remember there was a big issue. If, if you oh, dropped yeah. your Mac, the computer, it would know oh, and, it, and it would yeah. stop the hard drive. Do you remember how they announced that? It was Steve Jobs had Phil Schiller jump yes. off stage onto like an air mattress <laughs> thing. And when I think about Steve Jobs, obviously, I, I never had the, the, the pleasure of meeting the man. But it seems like that conversation in behind closed doors must have been amazing. Like it's, 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 it's the literal view of when I say jump, you say how high, cause he literally said jump and Phil Shaler took the computer and <laughs> jumped off stage. I've watched that playback every couple of months. I go back and watch it and just laugh. I think it's one of my, my funniest Steve Jobs memories. I think it's one of the best keynote memories that like, they're just like, okay, sir. And then just jumped. And you know, it's Phil Shiller's not a, that's amazing. Not a thin man. Fell. That reminds me, like, there's this one thing that I loved about Steve Jobs that almost nobody, like, no current executives get right. They all want to be Steve Jobs. But you see, like, Jeff Bezos go, I want all these cameras on the Fire Phone. And the designer says, no, that's stupid. And he fires them. And the next designer goes, that's stupid. I'll fire you too. Okay, fine. You can have your cameras on the stupid phone. It should really be a shopping phone, but we'll give you your stupid parallax cameras, Jeff. And he's, like, great with it. And the camera bombs. Or, like, the red hydrogen. They should just have a really good camera. No, yeah. I want a parallax. Just make a no. You're all of that, but Steve Jobs, like as much as he had opinions, when Eddie and Phil said no, we're gonna do iTunes on Windows, or no, you're wrong, we're making a small tablet. He's like, fine, screw you guys if it fails, you'll be in a lot of trouble. But I hired you to be smart. You do what you think is, and then he let him do it. Like he trusted his people who had different opinions yes. than him to do it, and I think that's. Not all executives have the, the self-confidence to like, they know they're going to get you if it goes wrong, but like he just let them try. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I actually hate about when people to nowadays will say something like Steve Jobs would have never allowed this or done that. And it's like he changed his mind and allowed people to do things that he disagreed with so many times. You can't just take Steve Jobs out of a certain year and place that Steve Jobs into 2019 and talk about his decision making process. He would have grown as a CEO. And he did he it like this. You can always find like three examples of him doing exactly what people says he would never do. So, yep. My favorite keynote moment is Tim Cook and Oprah embracing uh, on stage. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, I would also go with the iPhone. I think that's classic. But if I had to give a different answer, it would definitely be the MacBook Air. The first. Oh, MacBook yeah, Air, that was a good one. Pulling that's it fair. out of the uh, of the envelope to the oohs and ahs and holding it sideways. The look on his face when he's holding it sideways to show how thin it is. This was like peak Apple thinness, like they were all about it. You're like, look what we just made. No one can do this. Yeah, that, that was Steve right there. Or do you remember the Intel announcement with Maxman living a double life, a secret double yeah. life? <laughs> Didn't the Intel guys come out in like full like... The bunny uh, suits. Yeah. Like yeah, like full clean room mm -hmm. suits. Oh, so good. Um, there's been, a, there's been a lot of really, really good keynote moments. But I just figured we've, we've got Renee here. I was just wondering sure. what, what his what his was. All right, up next, last topic of the show. John, a few weeks ago, we talked about your car situation, True. your car lease situation. You're currently driving a Tesla Model X, which you've been enjoying. The next car, your lease is coming up. Yes. You need to pick a car. About four weeks, and, at least his lease is due. Oh, four weeks. Okay, so Renee, 
Do you drive a car? I do. I do. You, you pretty much need one where oh, you I drive live. A car. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure because, you know, obviously there's some major cities where if you live there, no need I'm for in a the car. suburbs. You, can, you know. Yeah, it would be a, li- okay. <laughs> a lot of long walking. Okay. What do, you, what do you drive? So I have, I still have a Toyota Matrix that I bought almost exclusively for all wheel drive because we have this thing. It's not as cool as the Tokyo Drift. It's called the Montreal Drift. And it's when you hit the ice, <laughs> which you can't see because it's all the same color as the road. And you just end oh. up in the snowbanks digging yourself out. And I was doing that way too often. So um, I got a Matrix and the all wheel drive has wow. so far for a few years now, I have not hit any snowbanks. Okay. Geez, that's a, that's just a normal normal piece of life up there. Just up, oh, just hit the ice again. I'm in a snowbank. Yeah, and like we even by law have to have snow tires on for like six months out of the year, and it doesn't help that much. Wow. So. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So John. Yes. Your okay. car, your car's so coming up. I, I am, I'm driving am, the I'm driving so the Model am, Three I, performance. I, I am I'm a, liking it. I told you this is what you need to do. Where I'm, you at? I'm a great big ball of uh, hypocritical confusion uh, in 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 life and in most things. So my lease is up. You don't know, I have three kids, so I need a car that can move uh, human beings. Um, so I also have been driving electric for six years. So I, I love yeah. I love having electric. My commute when I go to film is, is 40 miles one way. I drop my kids off at school. I'm generally putting 100 miles on the car three days a week. Um, okay. And I don't want to pay for gas. So something electric is important. So I do have a reservation, whatever, an order down for a Model 3. Um, but then I ordered it evidently right when Tesla stopped making North American model threes. So I have no idea when that's getting delivered. No one has any idea when my delivery date would be, but I've also really always wanted a pickup truck for no reason whatsoever. Um, (laughs) I have nothing to haul. I would maybe haul like Costco and I was kind of pushing saying, I don't need a truck. I don't need a truck. I have no reason to get a truck. And then my, my friend who also has three kids showed up in a brand new Dodge Ram 1500 with three cars, with three, with three car seats in the back. Ah, so moral being, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Tesla may not get me my Model 3 in time anyway before my lease is up. So I very well could end up with a pickup truck and then just be a complete contradiction of everything I've just said. Wait a minute. My my, my personal story for for no reason whatsoever. Your two options at this point are either a Tesla Model 3 or a pickup truck that probably gets like eight miles per gallon. That's true. I didn't say I told it didn't make sense. I mean, what? I don't maybe it's a, maybe I'm weird. I've always wanted a truck. And again, I have no reason for it. Um, it makes no sense for my life or what I do. But I do just kind of want one. So I don't know. So my if boss, I, who, my, I know John knows. Him. I don't know if you know Crackberry Kevin, um, but yes. he, he yep. had a Tesla Model S for a while. And he lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where it can hit minus 50 once or twice a year. Um, what the and heck? Of, it, he just it just kept like he just kept destroying the batteries with cold until they stopped working, and so he went and got a, a big old truck again too. And now, he's <laughs> see, interesting. So it's so cold that your the battery on your big electric vehicle truck. suffers. Yeah. Well, so lithium ion can self heal from cold, but it has to get warm again. And if the car is just outside in Winnipeg, it's never going to get warm again. See, if, oh now, if, if, if the Rivian, the R1T was out in shipping, I would get that in a heartbeat and be done with it. If Ford had their electric F-150 out and available, I think I would do that too. Well, I mean, I'll probably just end up with the, the Model 3 and be pretty happy with it and actually be copying your color and interior and trim. I did watch, Andrew, your video of how you installed the white, tried to install, oh, God. I should say, uh, that was the so white wrap on your center console. I was legitimately looking for how-tos. And I was like, oh, I'm going to... It's terrible. I'm, I'm going to watch this one. 
Dude, it's I suck at installing any wrap, whether it's a wrap in a car or on a phone or or any of that. I can't line it up properly and I can't make it look good. So I did it for the video and and right and during the video at the end of it, I'm like, I can't do it. And I like to I tear it off in the video itself because I'm like, this just doesn't it doesn't look good. Yeah, no, it was so, it was terrible, but it was terribly yeah. entertaining. Um, I, sh- I, I should say <laughs> in there as well. So I don't know. By this time next week, though, I should have a better sense of what I will do for for my next ride. That's strange. So you're, so you're saying that despite the fact that your lease is up in four weeks, there's a chance that it'll take longer than that to they receive ha- your car. Tesla has no idea when production for North American delivery is going to start again. I ordered on the th- about three weeks ago which ordinarily I live in Southern California. What? If this had, this had been last month, I could have ordered the car on a Monday and probably had it on a Friday. Wow. They don't know when production is going to start. There's no VIN. They're saying maybe late December, maybe early December. Is um, Elon busy with meme review again? Like what is? That? <laughs> That's just strange. They're, they're deferring production to, to Europe oh. um, for right now to meet the demand there. And evidently everything they're making at Fremont is going other places, which is interesting. And they're, you know, they're prerogative to do. So I'm curious. I do, I guess I'm going to talk about it here. I, I'm meeting on Friday with uh, Tesla Communications. I don't know why. They just reached out to, to talk. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to get an answer to what's going on, not just with my car, but production in general. So I'm legitimately like curious uh, what's happening. Fair enough. What if they have a pickup truck to show you? <laughs> done. Or ordered. That's why, that's why I should mention that if I do the Tesla, I'm only doing a two-year lease so I can get that truck when it's done. They should call it the Model they don't, T. They, don't they don't should do just leases. totally do that. Oh, they try. Did they try to do the Model 3? It was the E, I think. That Yeah, yeah the Model E. Yes. And Ford got all uh, uppity with the uh, the trademark on that one. I imagine they'll be probably pretty tight with... Uh, the Model 7 the and model, they'll just the slide model, the top line yeah, yeah. on the font over. <laughs> they would probably do that, actually. Well, hey, good luck. Thank you, my friend. That's all I'll say. Good luck good on luck. your <laughs> on this continuing saga. Obviously, we'll be checking in on uh, what happens. Car Watch 2019. Yes, exactly. John Rettinger Car Watch in particular, 2019. But that's our show, guys. I appreciate, Renee, you taking the time to appear here with us. This was so great. Knowledge on us. Yes, and uh, we will definitely love to have you back in the future as well. Awesome. No, I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. John, any final words? No, I just people out there. Honestly, I just it's 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 Renee focused. What I said at the beginning is true. <laughs> I, I, I there are a lot of people in the industry that I respect for what they've built and what they've done. I respect Renee for those reasons, but also the manner that he goes about it. It's a tough line to walk when you're trying to educate people to not sound condescending, but sound welcoming. Yes. And it's a really hard line to walk and especially probably hard for Renee because I'm sure he's smarter than everybody else who watches his videos. To, to walk that line, I think he does it very eloquently and expresses the opinion in a way that I can understand and my parents could understand the technology mm-hmm. that he's talking about. So if you haven't gone to check him out, you absolutely should. And I guarantee you, you will learn something that you didn't already know. Yes. You know who I like in Renee, too? I know we're giving Renee a lot of props yeah. right now. It's probably weird, Renee. I'm, but... I'm Canadian. I cannot physically handle this. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a child... I loved watching Mr. Rogers. He taught me a lot. Uh, oh, and good. as an adult, good Renee analogy. is like my, he's like the Mr. Rogers of tech where he teaches you, but you feel included rather than feel talked down to. You feel like he yeah. cares about you. And the other day, I forget what the topic was, 
it was like two or three days ago you had a video where you said something like pissed off you, you used this phrase and i was like oh my god renee what's happening what? like, he doesn't talk this it way. was the apple bug fired up today it was the apple bug <laughs> fantastic so yes again hit up renee ritchie give him a search on google give him a follow on twitter you will not be disappointed oh, and i absolutely likewise you guys have been huge role models and inspirations for me i'm not saying we're old none of us here are old nobody on this, <laughs> this podcast but you guys have been huge inspirations for me going back to when i first started and you've taught me so much so it's it's just it's an absolute honor thank you renee and that is it for this edition of geared up thank you so much for listening of course you can catch john and i on youtube i'm at youtube.com slash gear live and john is at youtube.com slash john for lakers feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech speaking of subscribing you can subscribe to geared up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already just search geared up that's two words not one in apple podcasts spotify Pocket Casts, overcast or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at gearlive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.